sometimes if we've been more if our if our brain and our body's been more familiar with toxicity uh, in our lives through relationships through childhood stuff through abuse whatever we we tend to feel more okay with and familiar with that kind of behavior Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm Petra Belzebor, and this is the place to discuss tips, tricks, and hacks to build your resilience through your worst rock bottoms and get you to a place of success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life, professionals, individuals who've been through their own adversity, and allow them to share their authentic and real life stories, opinions, and ideas about how to utilize our worst rock bottoms and allow them to catapult us into success. Welcome to the show. Good morning, guys. Welcome to the podcast. As you, some of you know, if you listen to my personal rants, I love a bit of driving or walking and telling you how I feel about life feeling positive, I'm feeling upbeat, but I can my I haven't spoken to anyone yet today, so my voice is a bit like, whoo, but here we go, I'm driving to Cambridge to visit a friend, I'm very excited, I love a long drive, and I want to be brave, follow on from my, uh, a recent conversation around dating and being true to myself letting go to this whole process of like, you got to let go of the stuff before you're open to the new stuff, right? And fill in the blanks as far as the stuff. Like, is it relationship? Is it job? Is it a change? Is it letting go of family? Is it friendships? Whatever it might be, sometimes, I think many times in my experience, we've got to let go of the toxic thing before we get the nice replacement thing. And what we prefer to happen Obviously, what we would prefer to happen is to find the new thing, find the new perfect job, find the man, find the whatever, and then go, oh, I can now latch on to this new thing and now safely let go of the old thing or the thing that we knew we've grown out of or its usefulness has diminished and we can move on safely from there. In my experience. Uh, in all my 39 years, because I just had a birthday, so I'm very excited to be on the, the penultimate year before 40. Feel good about aging. I just, that's a whole other podcast. But anyway, we got to let go in order to create space, to create space for this new thing. And we've got to step out into the fear. And, and then we realize that it's just a mist and the fear wasn't a thing after all. And I did it with my job. I remember a year and a half ago, which isn't that long, but so much has happened since then. I had been divorced for a year. I had a good job as clinical director of an employee assistance program. It was convenient. It was nearby. And I grew out of it. And I had hit the ceiling of how I could grow in this position. And I knew I needed to step out on my own. I am, bearing in mind, I am now the sole breadwinner in my household. I have a mortgage. I have two kids that live with me 50% of the time. And I'm going, yes this is definitely the right time to quit my stable job, right? Insane. And there was a turn of events. I'm not sit here, sitting here saying I was the bravest human on the planet. I actually thought had the illusion of the replacement person. So I had a, a, a business partner and it felt right. And I, and I really realized now in hindsight that he was the illusion replacement person so that I could be brave enough to make the choice because that business partnership lasted about six weeks. But it gave me that little bit of, of confidence, you know, the bit that I couldn't quite 
quite sort it out myself. It gave me that little feeling of we can do this. And so I quit my give my notice in my job and I quit. And then, and then I start playing small. I start playing small. I start feeling, and, and like I'm not, there, there's nothing on this guy. It was, it was me playing small, me trying to be normal, fit in things that I've done in my marriage and, you know, from, from the legacy of a cult upbringing, play safe, fit in, adapt to what other people need you to be. And luckily, the difference is my marriage lasted 13 years. This business partnership lasted six weeks. Woohoo! Slowing down time. And since then, it's been even quicker turnaround. So I'm quite proud of myself for that. So it isn't so much about never making the mistake or never latching onto the thing, but it's, it's, it's a body awareness. And it's a mind awareness, a self-awareness that then allows us to go, oh, damn, I'm doing that thing again. I'm, I'm in that pattern of behavior. And it doesn't mean it never happens, but we recognize it sooner, which gives us the opportunity to create change. And, and that's what self-development is. It's self-awareness, listening to our body and our mind, our soul, our thoughts, and rectifying it and being open and straight with people about, you know, that change. So I used to make so many decisions based on going, well, let me just adapt into what's going to make them feel comfortable at the risk of giving myself away and my voice away, which brings me into the present and what I really want to talk about, which is relationships and the fear, the fear of relationships, the fear of the good stuff, right? So if you listen to the previous podcast, I was talking about a friend's benefits that I've, um, and I say we, we, we went further than that. We call it a situationship because, because it wasn't quite like a, a long-term relationship, but we certainly connected and dated and uh, did the benefits thing. And we're, we're, we're good friends, good people, right? It wasn't just a sort of casual fling or, or one-night stands and things like that. He's a good human in my life. And I grew out of that situation and knew, knew within my soul that I needed to be able to let go of him which is hard in order to open myself up to the possibility of, of loneliness, of being alone, of not being seen, all of the things that terrify me because they trigger a really, really, really dark place in my life, which was when I had kids. And bearing in mind, I, I grew up in communes, right? So, so suddenly I'm the only person in the house with a kid. I mean, the loneliness and the, and the not being seen just made me feel invisible, like I didn't matter, like I wasn't um, worth anything, uh, and, and sort of led me to a tricky experience of, you know, right down to the dark days of alcohol addiction and, and, and suicidal um, ideation. And I am not in that place anymore. I am a strong, mature human who has created their independent life and does all these great, amazing, exciting things, and I am that person. And one thing is never true on its own, right? And I can be the, the scared kid who is alone and feels helpless. And that's like you're the, the difference between how we, our logical mind and how we get through things with our brain and our physical experience. The body never forgets trauma unless you release it in certain ways. And so your body might have a different um, thought process, you know, it might have a different feeling. And so I'm not going to get too into the woo-woo turn of events that has led me to meet somebody quite interesting because it was quick. It was quick. And the, okay, here's the short version of the spookiness because I'm not, I'm not the guy, I'm not the person, not the guy, I'm not the guy. I have too much masculine energy. I'm not the person who is just like the, the intention setting advocate person who, who says you should follow the spirituality stuff. That's not what I do. I'm more of the adversity to advance. 
advantage, right? Like how do we how do we turn things around through our self awareness, through our intelligence, through uh, experimenting, through getting ourselves out of our comfort zone? But a few spooky things have happened. One is I hung out with a friend a little bit who totally understood my my shamanic journeying and my um, experimentation with energy and, and spirituality, you know, a, a tree energy, Reiki, just stuff. Yeah, like, I, I just take this stuff on as a total experiment, and I see what it does for me. It's been doing some amazing things. So one of the things I did was a shamanic cord-cutting ceremony. And I'm not going to science back this, because I think there's something in ritual. There's just something in rituals that can be beneficial. And I don't know if that's from, I don't personally know if that's just literally the energetic vibration level or psychologically once we do a ritual, if that means we're kind of saying to our mind and our body that we're ready for something to change. And I imagine it's a little bit of both. So, so whatever the science, I'm just coming from my own perspective and experience. So I do this shamanic cord cutting ceremony, and, and I do it with two people. And one of them is my ex-husband, and I say this with total love and kindness because we have an excellent relationship now. But I wondered if deep down I was holding on to something, like psychologically as a way of protecting my kids or just the, just some deep stuff, right, that I've, I've talked about in, in therapy and, and all these sorts of things. And I thought, let me just, i got to let go because, Maybe there's still some codependency in, in our co-parenting, and which isn't releasing me to kind of be open to something a little bit deeper and more intimate. So cord-cutting ceremony. And then I also did a cord-cutting ceremony with my dad. And I'm not going to, oh, I keep saying I'm not going to go too deep, and then I go deep. Oh, I can't. Oh, okay. And, and you guys know I've, I've talked about, you know, that we, we don't speak, and it, it hurts my heart. And, and, and the reason I knew that maybe it was a hot topic, maybe it was someone I needed to let go of was every time the, 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 the phrase, the word, uh, the, the thought around uh, my father comes into my mind, my heart hurts, and I get tearful, and I get an emotional reaction, and it's been a few years now. And I just thought, is my upset anger, and I want to be fair because I'm, I'm not saying I'm in the right here, I'm just saying my feeling is one of betrayal and sadness and, um, you know, just real pain at the fact that we can't repair our relationship. It hurts me. And, and so I'm like, okay, is that going to now repeat and affect how I view potential partners? Because my unconscious view could be that you can have somebody who cares about you, loves you, does all the right things, and it's there for you, and it's present, and all this stuff, and then over an argument or over, I say one little thing, but over something, that can just suddenly be gone. And so in the same way as growing up, I moved so many times. I, I, I just moved, and I, and I know that I have this trigger around goodbyes and around, around leaving, and I will often, in order to protect myself, leave the person or leave the situation before it leaves me, right? And I'm sure some of you will recognize this in yourself, um, and it could be because you've had any number of types of pain or hurt or betrayals or breakups or whatever it might be. And what we tend to do is we put some walls up, and especially the older we get, we'll, we'll have had more experiences by then. And we, and it could be friendships as well, not just love and trust type relationships, right? As we, I'm uh, describing mine with my father. And we could be like, all right, yes, I'm going to date and I'm going to do that good stuff. And 
and I'm going to put some walls up and protect myself because I am my protector. And I feel that really strongly. I'm like, well, at the end of the day, people, I don't care how much good there is because there was good in my cult upbringing and there was, there was joy and belonging and all of those things. I don't care how good it is. Eventually, I'm going to be blindsided. Eventually, shit's going to fuck up and I should protect myself from that. I, I am, I can only count on me. So this is the messaging that our brain can tell us. I can only count on me. Therefore, let's be pretty careful and not let people in. And I've tested this with the dating that I've done post-divorce. So, so, so two and a half years, I've, I've gone, let's experiment with this. What can I learn about? Because um, the first date I went on and the first time I had sex outside of, uh, you know, beyond after being divorced, I remember crying on the way home. I remember crying on the way home thinking, fuck, I don't know if I can do this. And, and, I, and I was destroyed, and my self-worth was fucked, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I felt awkward. I felt like a teenager again. Bearing in mind, I'd been in a relationship for 13 years and was now, you know, older, and it was different. So it was hard. I'm not, I sometimes go, yeah, and I date, and blah, 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 and people are like, oh, my God, you're such an extrovert, and it's so easy for you. But it wasn't. I was terrified. You know, it, it, I was terrified, and I, I thought, how do I know that anyone's going to love me or not love me or any of those, those sorts of things? So don't take away, just in case you have an assumption that I'm just like, oh, dating's easy. Uh, it isn't, but like everything else, I apply the same sort of thought process to it. And so the thought process is, you're trying to not die, people, I'm driving. The thought process is, if you don't know how to do something, develop the skill. And everything's a skill. And so I thought, let me develop the skill of dating. I'm going to develop the skill of dating. And the only way you do that is go on a shitload of dates. Good ones, bad ones, medium ones, whatever. Different types of people as well. Like, if you line them up, there would be, like, no type as far as looks, as far as job types, as far as personality. There'd be, there, it would just be buried because I was like, i got to put myself out there. And if anything... You build the skill with people with in the things that are low risk, right? So go on the date with somebody who you're like, hey, I don't know, but I might learn something about myself. Obviously, stay safe to people, but that's how I attune my mind to a new way of wanting. It's like a new habit change. Okay, if I if I want to get good at this, if it scares me, obviously I've got to do it to reduce that that fear and to feel okay about it. God, I did not, I never expect to go, this <laughs> is so dangerous when I drive, right, because I just go, I just look at the sky and drive and talk about all sorts of stuff, uh, but I, so I developed the skill of dating, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be brave and say that, I developed the skill, I could, I can be confident and feel good about that initial dating process, and then phase two was going, you know, getting to that next stage where you get a little bit more emotionally intimate, and I started noticing little things within my body, so I would, I was completely, you know, consenting, and this was what I wanted to do and, 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 and try different things out. And I would notice things in my body like an emotional reaction to too much closeness, I say in inverted commas, you know, um, holding or eye-gazing or anything that felt a little bit more emotionally responsive. Anything that felt a little bit emotionally responsive, I could get cheerful, I could get a, a, a feeling in my throat, a tenseness in, in my belly, a kind of sort of, sort of a, a pulling back or a, a fear experience. And I got curious about that. I'm like, what is it about this next stage now that is um, giving me more subtle 
but the internal sort of the physical reactions, somatic responses. So that's your body gives your body's brain, right, telling you something, even though logically you're going, This is fun and I'm this is a great Friday night and we're doing this fun stuff and he's cool and I'm cool and this is great. And then your body can tell you a different message. It's going, Oh, it's hard to, to be held or it's hard to be and, and this is essentially the good stuff. So this is what I want to talk about is like Sometimes, if we've been more, if our if our brain and our body's been more familiar with toxicity uh, in our lives through relationships, through childhood stuff, through abuse, whatever, we we tend to feel more okay with and familiar with that kind of behavior. So even though our mind is going, I want the good stuff, I deserve the good stuff, and all and all of that, when we get the good stuff, it can feel weird. And when things feel weird, our body goes, Ooh, should we do the fight or flight thing? Is this where we pull back? Because this feels weird. I am not familiar with this, right? And so it's been a really interesting process of, of, of therapy and then more recently the, the energy healing and, and all this sort of release stuff and letting go stuff and everything that I've been talking about to understand my resistance to the good stuff. And I know, okay, I hope some of you guys are getting this. I hope some of you guys are getting this. So sometimes the good stuff happens. That's when we sabotage. That's when we, if we really look back and we're honest with ourselves, we fuck it up. We fuck it up, right? And so the amount of times that I've pushed people away and even made super, 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 super rational reasons for why I've pushed them away. Like, ah, they're not right for me. I start, you know, you start looking for the flaws. You start looking for the things that, um, oh, I, I should never be with that type of person. You make it, you blame, you can do a blame game around them or around, oh, they didn't text me that one time and therefore it's never going to work. Let me push them away. So we can rationally push people away and make total sense to ourselves so that we can keep behaving in exactly the same way that we are. Just keep doing it and tell ourselves that we're in the right, right? It's dangerous territory. It's dangerous territory. And, and what we need to do is practice radical self-honesty and awareness about our own patterns of behavior that are now playing out in these more subtle ways, uh, or not so subtle ways, but they're, they're usually counterintuitive. So it isn't like a, a, a clear thought in the first instance. It's an acting out. It's a physical response. It's a somatic reaction. So listening to our whole selves can be really useful in then adjusting our habits and our behavior, because ultimately we only have responsibility for ourselves. And I really believe that rather than, than this, this viewpoint of like, I can only speak from the female perspective, but I'm sure there's a, there's a um, male perspective of like, all men are bastards. They always let you down. Like we get these belief systems about like what dating is. Dating's stressful. Everyone just wants this. Online dating is this. You know, we, we get belief systems around it. But like I would challenge you and challenge us to own up to our part of how we utilize these things. Because just like in, with all technology, with all technology and phones, like they can be used for amazing good and connection and all of these things. And they can be used negatively for addiction, to fill a void, to just compare, to feel like shit about yourself. So, but, but essentially, we are the master of our experience. We are the master of our experience. That's a good line as I drive. We are the master of our experience. And, it, and, it, and if we truly believe that, then as Tom Bilyeu says, and I love this, everything is our fault. Everything is our fault. So where your relationships go, how your dating goes, like 
it's your behavior, it's your subtle messaging, it's your pushing away or pulling in or attachment or whatever it might be that is having an impact on that dynamic. And yes, of course, theirs is having an impact on the dynamic as well, but you can't change them. You can only put yourself out there. So, so much learning on the side of the work hustle, right? And I'm, I'm trying to have getting great feedback from people going, uh, oh, this personal current stuff really helps them think personally and, and, and about the current self-awareness for themselves as well. So hopefully this is a useful, provocative thought process, which will allow you to translate it into your own thought process. Okay, so back to the couple of weird things that happened. Cord cutting. Letting go in general, so I believe this the conversation I had with my mother about our past for two hours um, and where I practiced full empathy to listen allowed me to let go of some of the, the, the belief systems I was holding, the anger perhaps, the protectiveness of myself that I was holding around my past. So, so there was that. And then I did hang out with a friend and we were talking about intentions and like how that shit works and, and you know, what it, what's he done and he told me some of his stuff that was pretty incredible. And I thought, okay, fuck it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling dis-ease with this friends with benefits situation. I've got to let this go. It, um, something's got to change. And, and with, with a sadness underneath and even going, am I, like this is what I was telling myself, am I, if I'm going to be successful in my work life, is this just the price I pay to, that I will never have this, this partnership that I can envision in my mind? And one, one of equality, one of um, mutual growth, one where you support each other to grow as people rather than um, hold you back into like fear-based, let's just be internal and, and, you know, not be honest and not challenge ourselves and just stay stuck and watch Netflix and die, right? That's the, that's the terror of relationships. <laughs> and so I was like, is this the price I'm willing to pay? And if so, yes, it is, because my mission and my work is important to me and it matters. So, so yes, it is. But, but sad, because I was like, I'm, I'm searching for belonging and not so much, not only from a relationship perspective, but my family doesn't live here. And the disruptive nature of, of, of city life and of getting divorced means you just don't have the same circle of friends anymore. And, and you're, you're in your 30s, and, and you got to build that shit up again. And it's kind of hard. Uh, and then you look for your tribe, and you fit in some places and don't fit in other places. And my God, I do look, right? And I still feel this, this not full, full, full sense of belonging. So I was, I've, I've been kind of looking at what's my own part in the relationship side of things, because perhaps there's a way to find belonging in uh, the, the, the joining of families or of experiences. So my friend said, what the fuck is your intention? Who are you looking for? And it got me, he said, say it out loud to me. We were on the phone. So I said it out loud to him what I thought I was looking for. And after that call, I wrote that shit down. And I do not have it in front of me because I'm driving, but I'm going to have to post this shit at some point because it's a little bit spooky. But I said things like emotionally intelligent, the uh, secure in themselves, the ability to grow, the, the have their own lives. I said have their own business because they'll then they'll get the entrepreneurial insanity, right? Certain type of person who, who gets that if I say work comes first, it's not because I hate them, it's because I love my work, right? And I think I said tall because I'm only a little bit shallow. I, I, I described the feeling of being held by them, that their arms would be strong and it would be this feeling, so, so it wasn't so much... Aesthetic. But yeah, but I did say sexual chemistry. I said I wanted to be, a, a, you know, just have this, a, this attraction, but also a sense of adventure. You see this 
then we, we had this funny discussion about, um, you know, when you set intentions, you're, I, I'm going, fuck, there's one thing I'm missing. I swear I'm missing something. And, and you're going to get the perfect thing, the perfect package of, of personality. You're going to get the one thing that you didn't fucking say, right? <laughs> you get the one thing you didn't say. Be like, damn, I didn't say what accent they should have or what kind of dresser they should be. <laughs> I got all the other shit. Camera, next time. Uh, anyway, I can't think like that. I can't think about next time. <laughs> so I wrote this shit down. And then I went on this weekend and, and, and hung out with my friend and all this sort of thing and, um, and let go of the situation shit because it felt right, but it felt hard and, and a few things just didn't feel right. And, and I was like, this is going to, I gotta let go of this. So I let go of this and then I went on a date. I went on a date. Now I am about to drive into a tunnel. And I have no idea if my phone's going to cut off. It shouldn't. But I'm going to stop speaking while I'm in the tunnel, just in case. Oh my, some people do not know how to drive in the tunnels. Or drive. And they were going two miles an hour. I should work on my patience. Okay, the end is in sight. The end is in sight. Okay, I'm going to assume that we're back, we're back, we're back. So I went on a date. Yes. It was the first date, and I know I was like, let me sign off of um, dating sites. What I ended up doing was going on a more upmarket dating site. Like, I paid for it, and I just thought, fuck it, I need somebody. Oh, the other thing on my list is that he needed to have kids, because I don't want to have kids and more kids, and, and people keep asking me to have their babies. And I'm like, I can't just keep doing this shit. <laughs> um, and so I went on this date and it was like wonderful and it, trust me I'm quite efficient with my dating I do the you know in the, in, the, in the spirit of data gathering and experimentation I'll do one hour dates right fair, fair chance like yeah people like I'm busy I got a life to leave and so this date ended up being about five hours long so we what did we do we obviously just met for a drink, and then we went for a walk, and we then went to eat, and it was just natural and easy, and our first kiss was at a um, kind of at the seafood bar, and it just felt right, and at the end of the date, you know, this is why I'm getting shy, uh, maybe you won't. Um, <laughs> Uh, at the end of the date, he said, "Do you think?" Because I talked about some of my um, dating and how I viewed things, and how I didn't know if one person would, was ever enough. But I was trying to be open to whatever was going on. And at the end of the day, he said, "Do you think you could just date me uh, for a little while while we get to know each other?" And I was like, "Damn!" Had this had somebody asked me that six months ago, I'd have been like, "Fuck you." Uh, I wouldn't have said that, but in my mind, because you guys know a little bit about how my mind works, I'd have been like, hell no, nobody owns me, I, I'm not, you know, I, of course I'm not going to date one person until I know that it's right and all this stuff, which I, which is great for experimentation and on reflection is my safe way of keeping the tough stuff, the intimate stuff at bay, right? Because if I'm in charge and if I'm dating multiple people, which I do think, can often be healthy at the beginning, so you're not just waiting on that 
one call, that one text, that one person, like it, it, it's really intense if you do that. Um, but I'm talking about the phases and recognizing self, being self-aware about the different phases that we're on in life. And I was getting fed up. Like I've been on a few dates um, recently and they were just unfulfilling, slightly depressing even, like what the hell am I doing sort of thing. And I was just getting a little bit fed up with the whole process, right? So I go on this date and he, he says, um, do you want to just date me? And I kind of go, yeah, like, all right, let's give that a go. Like, if you, if you want, basically, people, if you want different results, you got to take different actions. If you take the same actions but expect different results, it, that's the definition of insanity or something, right? So um, I'm like, I got to, if I want different results and I, and I truly want some sense of belonging and um, to, to, to be more, more intimate and connected with a person, well, I gotta, I gotta do different tactics, and the tactics that worked before, and which were great for learning, which I definitely needed. I needed to see what was out there. I needed to learn about myself, and then, and then recognizing that time changes, and we change, and there are different aspects of what we now need to do and adjust to. So it's the, the definition of a growth mindset, right? Is always being curious and learning about the next thing. We we only know what we know, which adapts to a situation we're in and then if things start to feel different or feel wrong or feel unaligned well we've got to adjust our own behavior our own mindset and think about well this might be my new comfort zone what's the next thing that's a little bit out of my comfort zone and so since then we've pretty much spoken on the phone every day we've uh, had lots of dates and been seeing lots of each other and then last night and this is my lear- okay, there's a couple learnings, and, and I don't want to, um, there, there's a couple learnings. So one of them is noticing that this feels really good, and he's emotionally intelligent, and all the things on the list is kind of spooky, and is able to hold a space, and is able to be honest, and is secure enough to have difficult conversations, and we're like completely, brutally honest with each other, which is what we both want to be able to do, and when he holds me or when there's this closeness, there's like this threshold of intimacy. Not long, actually. If I'm fully held for like a full minute, I, it's like if, whether we're, we're, we're outside or we're at home or whatever, my body then has a reaction that pushes him away. I literally am held in the goodness. And once he said, you're not breathing, like it's okay to breathe now. Because uh, I kind of like, I should be okay with this good kind of holding stuff and my body sort of freezes up or I literally will physically in a nice way but but push back and like lose physical contact because I need a bit of space so my nickname is now boomerang because I go back I go out and I come back and and what's beautiful is that we can talk about that and that he's um he understands that it's not about him it's not me rejecting him or his goodness it's me trying to move into and step into unfamiliar territory which is so good for me and is 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 my next boundary of pushing myself out of my comfort zone what i'm not doing here is jumping to conclusions and going which is often what people do they feel a little bit of a chemical response and then are like this is the one and this is this and we should this and everything's right i'm like hold your horses people hold your horses notice that you're that's also a physical chemical reaction sometimes you know, the, the, the excitement of a new person can make us lose ourselves. And I think for me, that's actually what I'm most afraid of in making plans with somebody or where we, we 
all have our reactions. We all have our reactive states. So what for me is that physical response of this closeness for other people would be totally different. But what's really refreshing is that we're able to talk about it pretty much in the moment. So I sort of do the push him away. He says, oh, do you need a bit of space? I go, yes. My body is just doing something, even though my mind is saying this feels really good, and I think it's because of this. And then we have this beautiful, like, okay, he's like, you do what you need, and then I, in my own time, can then come back and hold his hand or, or have his arm around me or whatever. So it's like this little kind of push-pull song dance. And so notice for yourself, what is your push-pull song and dance that you do in the early stages, which is often a mask for a fear? Bottom line, we get scared, and and it could be of intimacy, it could be a, a rejection of the idea of if we're too close, will we now, um, will that person leave us? Well, whatever. Your own fear, you you put your you fill in the blanks as far as what that fear is. But we do a song and dance, and often it leads to, you know, if, if everyone's too into this song and dance, it gets toxic, and eventually somebody pushes away too much, or they play games, or they rationalize why that person is the right fit for them and, and push them away fully. So I feel really privileged to be able with this person to get out of my comfort zone in this new way, which is around intimacy. And and bearing in mind, and I, I recognize this, I lived in communes in a cult and then was in a, you know, Catholic Italian family. I was then raising kids. And it felt like it took me 35 years to fight my way, fight, fight, work, work, fight, get an education, do everything, fight my way to full independence and to not needing anyone and to finding my own voice and to being my own person. And I mean, it was a fucking long road, right? And and there were so many, so many countless tears and loneliness and pushing and pulling and, you know, all this sort of stuff, fighting for this independence and this freedom. The bottom line was freedom. And then, I get, and then you get the freedom fully, and it can be lonely. And then I decide to work for myself and add on to some more, like, challenges as far as belonging and all the rest of it. And so it was like a weird thing to admit to myself that actually I do want some kind of family context because I used to present the one that I had, you know, and the, and the shoulds and how we should behave and the expectations. And actually, there's a part of me that wants some, some of that, that belonging, right? But it also fucking terrifies me. Because, for me, belonging equals, or can equal, being trapped. And being in a position where I'm helpless and need to fight my way out and, and um, validate my decisions and defend my voice and all these sorts of things. And, and what that is, is it's my child self, it's my helpless self who's experiencing the fear, right? But actually, my adult self is strong, is independent, like I'm not going to lose any of those things. But in those moments of connection, it feels like the threat of losing everything that I've worked so hard to, to build up it just feels really visceral. It feels visceral and real and scary, terrifying, terrifying, terrifying. And then how much do we use dating in this easy, swipe, swipey world uh, as an escape? And so last night, I had I had a full day of work. I then uh, had some plans with a friend of mine. And at the very last minute, my friend uh, canceled the plans, right? It happened. Uh, my friend canceled the plans. And so it and then I had a late 
really wanted to text somebody that I dated or um, find a date or find somebody to, to hang out with. Bearing in mind that the guy I'm seeing lives a little bit further away and was, um, he was busy, whatever. And so in my inner core, I was like, oh my God, my thoughts were like, okay, should I just, let me just meet someone that's innocent, right? And then I was like, yeah, even if something happens, you would never know. Uh, I, and I had to sit with myself and I was like, maybe I'm not cut out for a relationship. What the fuck am I doing saying yes to just seeing this one person so soon in, right? And all it was was a discomfort and a loneliness and a disappointment. And so I sat, I, I, I messaged, I got in touch with another friend just to be like, damn, I'm feeling this way because for me, expressing it, getting a second opinion, um, or just helps helps with my own perspective more than anything. And he's like, yeah, you're, you got to sit with yourself. You, um, you, you just want to act out for a short-term gain rather than thinking of the big picture. And it made me realize how much of a habit, just habit, because I had no, I have no real desire or intention to see someone else. But my habit was, if I feel uh, uncomfortable or a bit lonely or disappointed to find a date. So if I feel a little bit uncomfortable, swipe someone, text someone, even if standard flow, it's just for the sake of being with someone. It's, you know, and, and I'm sure some of you recognize yourselves in this, and it might be other ways. So we, we're in a disappointing situation in order to fill the void. We, you know, binge on food. We do recreational drugs. We drink, we um, party, whatever it might be, you fill in the blanks, but it's usually toxic behavior just for the sake of not feeling what we're feeling. So I'm numbing out things to not feel or sit with the discomfort of ourselves. So I had this process, and then I ended up doing some, some work and getting pretty productive and uh, watching TV, did a bit of yoga, and felt all right. And then I had a choice. So uh, the guy on the called me probably around 10.30 or later after he'd finished his plans, um, and I had a choice here. I had a choice to hold on to this as a shame thing, so a shame thing that, you know, damn, you know, he's been really good, and I've had these sorts of thoughts, right? And I had this choice whether I would tell him how I was actually feeling and what happened or to just sweep it under the carpet and be like, we're so good, this is so perfect, this is so great, it's amazing, let's just make plans, it's just wonderful. And that felt disingenuous, it felt like it would, it just felt disingenuous, I didn't overthink it, it just felt disingenuous. So we speak, and he's like, how was your evening? Uh, not that he speaks like that, but how was your evening? That's how I hear it, right? <laughs> uh, and, I, and I said, I said, I, I actually had a pretty tricky evening, and I felt tempted to call other people or to go on a date or to just get, you know, just um, act out. I, I, I was tempted to act out. I sat with it and I didn't and I just realized how much of a habit some of this behavior is and how tricky it is for me to adjust and lean into what's really essentially a beautiful opportunity and really good. And he listened because he's secure in himself and could recognize that, you know, I have my stuff and he has his stuff. He went, oh, yeah, I can see how that habit would act out. And he thanked me, which was like, what? He went, I really appreciate that you didn't act out on that. Thank you. And so we had this great, meaningful discussion about habit behavior and about short-term gains versus long-term gains and what we choose to build and what the price is and what, what price we were willing to pay and what price we weren't willing to pay. And 
the type of relationship in theory that we each want to build, which is one of growth, which is one of encouraging each other to explore our inner selves, but also our sense of adventure, our interests, and and our, our friendships and, 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 and people. And I've, I've talked about the fact that I'm worried that I've got loads of male friends. I love hanging out with them and learning from them, and it wouldn't be anything connected to that. But if I talk about how I sometimes have these sorts of thoughts, is that going to make him not trust me in my friendship situations, right? So just, just deep conversation. And I think, people, if you're in a mature relationship, please let me know if this is normal. Um, because I'm just trying to figure it out. So, so that's my learning. So that's my learning, people. is self-awareness. Listen to what your body is saying as well as your mind. Be open to the good stuff because sometimes we're so conditioned for tough stuff to happen that when the good stuff comes along, we can pick it apart and not recognize that it's an opportunity for growth. And we're, bo- we're both very much saying this may not be the thing, right? Who knows? It may, you know, it may be a, a, a part of our lives that is that teaches us something and allows us to have a, a beautiful experience. But it's first of all a bit spooky how we got here, and second of all, I realized that it's my next level of learning is how to sit with myself, how to be really radically honest and take responsibility for building the relationship that I want. Because it's all good and well to put the intention out there, but then once that good stuff comes, like, what are you going to do about it? What's your part in radical honesty and taking risks and recognizing your own trigger behavior and, and utilizing it as an opportunity to, to work through that stuff? Because relationships is a really powerful place to work through trigger behavior and for all that shit to come out and for somebody to... listening to the adversity to advantage podcast please do subscribe and review on itunes every comment makes a difference we really appreciate hearing from you and please do get in touch through petrabelzebor.com if you're interested in any training coaching therapy or just to join the community and get more information 
on ways that you can build your own resilience. Until next time.